Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. That means I can't eat my muffin anymore. So let's do it. <laughs> I'll move it off to the side. We are now joined by a very, very special guest. He's actually a three-time recurring guest of, of this podcast, which is a new record. Uh, it is Tampa Bay Rays relief pitcher extraordinaire, Pete Fairbanks, uh, three-timers club. Uh, we're getting jackets made if, if you want one. It's a big deal. Is it a starter jacket? Or are we talking? What are we talking? Yeah. Are we talking like? Or are we talking like the old school, like satin number with the cuffs? It's it's gonna be an old school puffer starter jacket from the nineties. Okay, all right, I'm um, in. So, look for that coming to your mailbox yeah. soon. Uh, I would love that. Do you guys? Is it gonna be like red, gold, and white with like the choppy shark bites on the side? Yes. Okay, let's do it. Delete. I don't know where you're gonna find one, um, but I know somebody I know that can. Guy. I know somebody that can embroider them if you do. We should get starter jackets. That would be sick. That'd be so cool. People stop wearing those. Um, this is great. Uh, three times on this podcast, one of our favorite guests, one of my favorite people. Um, lots, lots happened since the last time we've had you on. I think it was like September of last year. So yeah, we have it's, lots it's, it's to talk about. A little about. bit. We didn't have. Yeah. We don't have to work around uh, like a twelve-hour time change this time. Ooh, yeah. This podcast is. It's not good with time differences. So you're in Central no. Time, we're in Eastern Time. <laughs> I've had I've had a guest or two that I've I've messed up because I didn't know Arizona was on not using daylight savings time. So they do apologies not use to daylight Jake. savings time. It is on West Coast time right now. Yep, didn't know that. Doesn't and, make any uh, was, sense. Apologies to Jake Fraley. Um, that that's, that one was tough. Uh, but you're here. Time zones are here. I won't let Kate start though. Because we wanted to take it back, talk a little bit about Mizzou, Missouri Tigers. Mm -hmm. Do you say go Tigers? Or is that kind of LSU? Uh, that's more LSU. I mean, I, I do say that. But that's more of LSU's uh, improper okay. spelling. Go. It's a little Frenchman okay. down there. Awesome. So I did a lot of digging. I got very excited because I saw that you played, obviously, Vanderbilt, SEC mm -hmm. tournament. But... I was remembering, looking at that time, 2015, I said, I feel like I know some big guys currently in the MLB that were on the team at the time. So I go, I look at the box score. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, this is getting, we're getting really, really back in time. But Dansby Swanson, Brian Reynolds, both on the team at the time. So you face them. I just kind of want to hear like, what was that like? And especially being in college, when you look at a player up to that type of caliber, are you like, these guys are definitely going to the pros? Like, did they really show something during that time? Just take us through that experience. Um, yeah, I mean, Dansby was very good. I think, uh, I'm not sure if Reynolds is a year or two years younger, so he wasn't necessarily, is it kind of like, you know, once you get into scripts, the buzz is around the juniors, right? It's about the guys that are draft eligible that are going to go. Um, and obviously at the time, you know, just being on the pitching side of things, we were, I was more interested in watching like um, Bueller and Fulmer throw, right? Because they are, were incredible, incredible in college. Carson Fulmer was maybe the most dominant arm I've ever seen at the collegiate level. It was, I mean, and I just talking about this 
a couple weeks ago in the bullpen, he could have told our guys, he was like, hey, breaking ball, fastball. Still wouldn't have hit it. It was one of the, it was his two starts against us um, in 14 and 15 were some of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, you know, that that team was, was super, super talented. That was probably the best college baseball team, I think, of a long time. And they didn't win. They won the year before when I thought they had the worst of their three teams that they had when we played against them. Yeah, I mean, just the the overall talent in the league that year, I think that was pretty high because you had Dansby go one, I think Bredman went second that year. I mean, there was there was a ton of talent in the league, and yeah, I'm they had three first rounders. You don't really see that. That's pretty. Uh, I guess you saw it this year with LSU. They had did they have two or three? They had two. I think they had, two. I think they had two. They had the, the what two top two of the first two picks were both. From LSU, Cruz and uh, the Steens guy. Didn't their first baseman go in the first round too? Um, no, because we drafted him, and that was later on. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So yeah, that was that team was very good, and I never beat Vanderbilt, even though I had a sub two against them in my career. I say you pitched phenomenal against them, which was insane. So is that like just? You just live up to the pressure, I guess. Yeah, I mean, one of my buddies, uh, Tyler Ferguson, was in his wedding. He was in mine. It still gives me shit about it. They were never – and it was – like, we're talking just comical ways to lose. So, yeah, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot and went 0-13 oh, like against them over three years. It was horrible. Big um, Mizzou guy, but do you have a favorite memory – from college during that time, obviously you did great against Vanderbilt, but anything like really stand out to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, baseball wise, I had a start against Tennessee. That was probably my best performance as a starter at any level. Well, maybe not any level, but at the the higher levels, so I'd probably say that that was good. And I cannot, and I cannot stand the Tennessee Volunteers. Really? Is there any specific reason why? Oh, there's a lot of reasons that I don't need to get into. Um, Let's just say that I hold no love in my heart for the Knoxville uh, State School, known as the Volunteers. I have no love for them at all. So probably top, definitely top moment for you. Yeah, uh, they're like, which is, it's it's Kansas, and then it's Tennessee. In terms of just irrational dislike on my end. Any controversy during the games? Like anyone going back no, and forth? I, they, they, their old head coach, uh, I can't think of his name. I remember us having some, not me specifically, but just like team-wise having some some disputes. Um, they hit a few of our guys repetitively up and in. So yeah, it was, it was uh, there's, there's no love lost there between uh, – me and the volunteers, not that I know anybody. Or the only guy I know that went there I'm friends with. So right. does it make sense? No. Do I still dislike the balls? Yes. There's no place for that. There's no place for hitting guys. I've always said that. You can't. Not, not in this day. Not in this day and age. Can't do it. I mean, I'll accidentally hit you. But I, uh, yeah. Anything near the head is just this dangerous. It sucks. And then when you transition <laughs> to... The bullpen. What kind of was that process like, and what were some of like the biggest challenges that you had? 
Um, let's see. So I was rehabbing and I said, am I going to throw more than 40 in this bullpen for this? I was like, all right, here we go. And then honestly, like the, the, I wouldn't say that necessarily was a challenge. Um, but you know, and especially like, cause that year that I had to realize when I first started throwing out the pen exclusively, it was pretty scheduled because I was coming off surgery. Um, and so I had basically three, basically up, up until my time in AAA and when I debuted was all pretty much scheduled. Um, so that was, I would say more so was just getting used to, you know, throwing back to back, et cetera. And that came a little bit later on that year. That just the making sure that you're ready to go every day and you're, you know, the days that you're up, you're doing everything that you need to do to be ready to throw. Right. And then from like a mental standpoint, because as a starter, you're pretty much ready you know, game one, obviously, you know, you go through your whole pregame routine. Now it's kind of delayed a little bit because now you're doing it in the bullpen. How did you kind of get adjusted, acclimated towards that? Or is it like fourth inning? If you know you're pitching that day, you're mentally trying to get set. Uh, I try to not be mentally ready until later on. Like it okay. depends, obviously it depends, you know, what your role is and what you're doing and how you, you know, what kind of prep you do to get ready. I've seen guys that don't do a ton. I've seen guys that are moving basically the whole time that they're in the bullpen. Um, it really is, is more of a personal thing dependent on, you know, what you feel like you need to do. Um, but I, I don't think that like, it, it really depends on like when you're throwing, like if you know, you're an early guy, you're right. You might do stuff pregame, you know, and be ready to go in case the starter gets in trouble. Whereas if you're more of a back end guy, you know, you have that time the first five or six to, you know, get the body right, feel like you're ready to go, you know, get out there, do what you need to do, be it weighted balls, bands, et cetera, and, right. then, and then be ready to go. I remember we interviewed Colin Thurow, the Yankees bullpen catcher, and he said, you know, personality-wise, like, Wandy could be joking around until the moments he gets on the mound. But he said, Clay Holmes, if he knows he's going in, like, is not talking to anyone, he's standing in the corner, he's locked in. Where do you fall – in that type like can you still joke around have some fun or are you completely zoned in uh no i, I have found that i don't like to be zoned in for okay. more than i do like the half inning before i know i'm gonna get my name called just because i i don't need necessarily that like i don't need to be in that headspace right the switch flips pretty fast for me um, so the more that I'm able to not put myself in a stress situation in order to, you know, feel like I'm loose and relaxed and ready to go into that stress situation, it, it, I found is is a lot better for for how I want to operate. Nice, Justin, you want to jump in? Yeah, no, I, I was looking back because uh, the MLB trade deadlines next week, and I want to take you back to July 13th, 2019, when the Rangers traded you to Tampa. I don't think we've ever talked about this. What emotions were going through your head? This is like the organization that drafted you. You came up through the system, and then you're a rookie. You're eight games in, and then they trade you away. So what what was that kind of experience like for you to get traded midseason like that? Um, Yeah, let's see. Let me, let me go back to that one. I, think I, was, I mean, I was definitely confused. I had actually made a comment earlier on that year. I was like, well, they're going to have to trade somebody at some point, just given – at the time that I made this comment, I, I was assuming that one of us was going to get traded. It was Joe Barlow, Demarcus Evans, Classe, and me. 
in a high eight bullpen. And I was like, I would be very surprised if all of us are here, like by the end of the year. Um, and then, you know, I think that uh, for me, it turned out to be great. I was definitely confused at first, but as I've, I've, you know, I talked to Eric, I talked to Cash, I talked to Snides basically right after I got traded and to have them, you know, lay out what they did for me and why they, you know, A, wanted to acquire me, B, what the plans were going forward, et cetera, made it a, an easier, you know, switch for me. And then obviously you have to get reacclimated to, in that, that case, I think it was my fifth different clubhouse that I had been in so far that year. Um, but, you know, that was the first one where you really don't know anybody. So that it definitely took more, for me, it was more of, you know, getting back and, and acclimating myself to another um, different social climate than it was, you know, the baseball side of things. That was um, the easy part. And obviously you go out and you, you know, make the adjust. I made the adjustments that they brought to me and have been able to, you know, throw the ball pretty well since then. But yeah, it was, uh, I was definitely, definitely confused when I, I didn't actually did not answer. I'm pretty sure Daniels called me. I was in bed, didn't recognize the numbers, put my phone down, and I got a text that hey, this is John Daniels, you need to call me. I was like, I'm getting traded. Oh no. That's I want that's what I wanted to ask you about because like walking into the Rays Clubhouse for the very first time, it's probably pretty intimidating to have to learn to like you have to figure out where new new stuff is, new people, like making new connections. Like, did did the Rays make it easy on you for that transition time? Uh yeah. So I went to Durham first and that was um Pretty easy. I played with one of the guys, Gabo, and Summer Ball up in Cape Cod. So I knew him, and then it's all everybody knows somebody that you've known or played with, et cetera. So that makes it easy. Um, in terms of, yeah, the Rays Clubhouse was definitely, um, I would say, easier to acclimate to than Texas was at first, just given the, the personnel that were there, et cetera. And it was very, it still is to the, I don't think it's ever really changed, but like the, um, with us, like the bullpen guys look out for hang out with, et cetera, with the, the bullpen guys. So you always kind of have, you know, seven guys who are going to be there for you. And so that makes it pretty easy. I think. Absolutely. For guys getting traded this summer though, like, would you have any advice for mid season trade guys? Um, I mean, it depends on who's getting traded, right? I don't think I have any for the, you know, for the big name guys that are still, uh, you know, in that, in that, in that trade rumors uh, limbo, I, what do I have to, what do I have to tell them, right? You know what I mean? Um, but no, I, I would say that in ninety nine percent of the times, you are going to a place where you are valued higher than you were before, and I think that that in itself makes it, you know. The grass might not be greener, but it, I mean, at least it will be for a little bit. You know what I mean? To where you have your, you're going in and they're going to value you and they're going to give you that opportunity, you know, to succeed since they went out and, you know, obviously value you for, you know, an asset to acquire for somebody that they already had, et cetera. So yeah, it's a, it's a definitely an interesting time where you can just be uprooted with no say, but you know, in my case, it was my like fifth clubhouse, sixth team of the year. So easy enough to uh to reacclimate what, what about buying versus renting i feel like this is a big time of year would you recommend like wh- how did you handle the living situation through all of that and then have you obviously three-year extension congrats 
I'm, I'm assuming you have some permanent roots down now, but was that hard going hotel to hotel? Um, let's see. I, I think I can, I can give you all of my living situations from 2019. I was in an apartment in Greenville, North Carolina, and that was like a month to month rental. So that was easy enough. Somebody just slid into that once I got called up. Um, I was in Frisco for like three and a half weeks, but we were on the road for half of it. So I was in a hotel for like three days, went on the road, moved into an air mattress in the living room of somebody's place, went back on the road, um, came back for like a day, got sent to Nashville. Nashville, I was in a hotel for like two days, and then I was actually living in Dansby's apartment there um, for like a week, and then I got traded. So, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time in a bunch of random spots. And then after that, did I get traded? We are on the road, come back, get Andrew Kittredge's number, text him, move into his apartment that was um, that stashed is the club in Durham, had the keys to. So, yeah, uh, minor league housing, at least then, I don't know what it's necessarily what it's like with the new rules that are in place. But, yeah, I was, on, I was, I was more or less couch surfing and – and hopping in apartment setting for basically a year. So yeah, I mean, it, it depends. like obviously your your minor league guy situations when they are traded for, you know, let's suppose somebody gets traded for Lance Lynn, right? Obviously the the guys that get traded for him, their situations are going to be different than the guy who's on that contract who probably has a house which can be moved, you know, in the off season, etc. It's not as big of a, not as big of a you know immediate type. Um, thing as it is for the guys who are, are having to flop from, I don't know, where give me some guys who are going from Round Rock to Round Rock or Frisco, you know, to where is there? Are they in Birmingham still? I don't know where the White Sox double A and or triple or triple A's in Charlotte. So yeah, oh, it, yeah. It, you know, it depends. It's all in this hypothetical scenario, it's probably harder on them than it would be on um, Lance. Mm-hmm. I just love that. Yeah. I, people don't talk enough about that. Just like the logistical side of, of players, like, or even we had, a uh, uh, Anthony K on who's, who was pitched for the blue Jays for a while. And I was just like, what was that? Like getting like a passport. It's like, never had one. So yeah, it's just, it's just weird. Never had a things passport. Like, <laughs> I didn't have a passport. Didn't have passport. <laughs> you might feel like that's something you might want, you know, <laughs> just at, at some point in, in your life, maybe a passport. I, well, I don't have one. I, I don't have a cool $150 burned in a hole in my pocket. So it's like, why why would I need to go and get one? That's fair. You never wanted to, you know, don't want to go take a Cabo weekend or anything. It's not on your priority list. I think I might dip my toe in the water, maybe start at Niagara Falls. Um, just to like. It is better know, on the Canadian it close. side. <laughs> it's, on, it's better on the Canadian side. So you're still going to need a passport. Exactly. So I feel like that would be kind of my foray into international travel. I don't want to just like, go insert myself into like Morocco or something. You got to go start small and then. Well, yeah, no one, no one's asking you to, to go, you know, traverse through Northern Africa. That's not, <laughs> that's probably not your first step. Um, Hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would oh say gosh. maybe, maybe start in North America, maybe go, maybe go to like a resort, maybe go all inclusive mm-hmm. where you can still speak a lot of English. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe go to Toronto. That's a good place to go. It's a great city. I don't know if uh, Anthony K touched on any of of Toronto, but Toronto has a is a fantastic city. I like it's it. always yeah. it is on the it is it is on the top of my places that we go every year. Do you have a favorite? Probably Toronto. I, I would oh, say that okay. that's, oh, it's awesome. Yeah, Toronto's great. I really like Boston. 
Um, yeah, I'd say those two are those two are definitely up there. It's always nice to go play the Angels because you can meander on down to Huntington and Newport and get a nice little refresh. Except it's always in the summer, so it's never never the ideal time to go there, but it's usually still pretty good. Ooh, this is good. Okay, because I wanted to ask you about this eventually, but we're already kind of here. Uh, the travel series that you did with the Rays, uh, when you and uh, Jason Adam were walking around Seattle, was one of my yes. favorite things. Yes. Um, I talked to you a little bit about this, but like, mm -hmm. take me through what are the things what, when you go to a road city? What are some of the things you look for? Are you getting the Google Maps out and you're like, I want to hit a coffee shop, a thrift? Like yeah, a I mean that's it, it's one hundred percent. It is first and foremost, it is coffee. Um then depends on what I'm trying to do. If they have something that I know, like that city is known for, and I know I want to do it, I will. Um, like last year when we were in Houston, um, our Sua, our Justin Sua, awesome, got us set up with um, NASA. So we went out and toured um, the Space Center down here, which was still probably my favorite thing that I've gotten to do as a result of playing baseball that is off the field. That was spectacular so yeah um depends on like what the city is known for uh i would like to go find a card shop around here i actually passed one little comics and games shop maybe maybe pick up a couple collectibles um but yeah i know like when and then they're obviously the year those are the ones that you go to so much that you know what you're going to do right so i know when we go to new york i'm gonna go to black fox probably gonna walk through the lego store because i'm bored um, you know, maybe go, maybe go find a flight club or, or something else like that. Well, yeah, I, I would like to, I wish that we didn't stay in Midtown every time we go to New York, but we stay in Midtown every time we go to New York. And so you don't get as much of a chance to go explore the, uh, the boroughs, but what can you do? Yeah. I was going to ask that. I was wondering where you stayed when you play at Yankee stadium and, or if you go to the Mets, if you stay in the city, but I guess, okay. Midtown. Yes, right in the heart of Midtown. And for someone who is uh, a fast walker, fast walker, regardless of if they are a local or not, I hate Midtown. It's tough. It's a it. tough place to be. I hate it so much. Just feel like I'm constantly walking. There was one, actually, this is in Chicago, but I mean, I kid you not, there was probably a group of like 60 middle and high schoolers there on a school trip, just standing right in the fucking middle of the sidewalk. I'm like, you guys need like you need to move. There are people trying to walk here. You cannot just stand here and congregate in a group of sixty. So yeah, yeah. Especially in a city like New York or Chicago, I feel like the range of people. Some are gonna oh. knock you over and walk, and then there are people that are just literally looking up. Yeah, at all those skyscrapers. Just straight gawking. Oh, well, that's a tall building. Yeah, it's tall. You saw it on the plane in. <laughs> it, it may look taller, but you can look up, register how tall it is, and Keep going to where you need to go. It's true. It's tough. Hate it. Oh, what about Baltimore? Do you ever revisit the site where, uh, you know, didn't you tell us a story about you guys used to throw shit into the harbor? Do you ever just go uh, revisit? Some oh, landmarks? no, that was <laughs> that was from the hotel, though. So I didn't actually have to leave to watch that one happen. Okay. Uh, yeah, but that one was that. I do like Baltimore, but it's so insufferably humid whenever we go there. Um, that I try to not go to many places. Same thing with DC. A DC summer will will just zap you of all energy and, and will to live with the humidity. So yeah. um, 
that's yeah, we went to I'm, it, was, I'm, it was pretty cool when we went there which was nice i got to um we went and walked around some of the the tourist things mm-hmm. which was i've seen them before they are what they are it's pretty impressive how freaking big ape lincoln is but yeah you know that's like the whole balanced schedule thing though because like the American League and National League, I feel like you guys are playing like teams that you wouldn't ordinarily play. Do you do you enjoy that? Not just from like the travel perspective, but just like the getting the experience to play teams that you don't normally get to play? Yeah, I think it's well, I know the NFL does I know the NBA does. Um, and I obviously love basketball. That's my my uh all my aspirations in life didn't really work out, but here I am. Um yeah, I, I think that it's great for people getting to see teams that they normally wouldn't. Um, and I think that that in itself is good for, you know, the marketing of baseball is so you have these, you know, like if you're, say you're, you know, you're Seattle, right? You don't, um, you haven't, you don't get to see like a Harper every year or some of your other nationally guys, unless you're playing, you know, that division. So it, it's nice for them, you know, to have all the big names in baseball, they are coming to your city. If not this year, they're coming next year, right? And if you want to go see, you know, if you're 11-year-old Jimmy who loves, I don't know, Mookie Betts, and, you know, obviously, you know, Jimmy, say if Jimmy's from Baltimore, Jimmy probably saw him with the Red Sox. Um, but, you know, if he was only like seven at the time, you know, the Dodgers are coming to town. You get to see, you know, your favorite player. I think that that is, is great for the game, and it's great for fans and kids and you know, everybody that, that would love to see that, that wants to see, you know, their guys play, they now get a chance to every, every year, basically. I love it. Yeah. Especially cause like it, it probably gets old playing. Cause what was the old way you used to play everybody in the division? Like 18 or 19 times a year, 19 like, times. That's yeah. Insane. Felt like every time you left, you were going to a city on the Eastern seaboard and now it's not as much the case, which is not, I think it's, you know, you still get the, that same, you know, kind of thing, because you're playing them, what, eight more mm-hmm. times than you are any other, you know, team in your own league and, and 10 more than you are teams on the other side. But yeah, 19 games against the same four other teams. Yeah, it was a lot. I'm glad that they I'm glad that they made that switch. I think that one is going to be a very beneficial one for the game. Rays can't beat up on the Orioles anymore. That was that was a big. No, the Orioles are good. Let's not yeah. let's not discredit the Orioles. The Orioles are very good. Well, when they were bad, it was tough because it's. I feel like there was one well, year Tampa yeah, they, might have I, won well, all. I, this is. I actually <laughs> had somebody from the. Uh, what's the main paper in Baltimore? Baltimore Sun. Yeah, probably. I think it was the Sun. Some guy asked me about their turn. I was like, they were never like that bad. Right. They just spent a full year shooting themselves in the foot against us. Like there were multiple. There were multiple, multiple times in twenty one. Where we were losing after the sixth, I would I would say four four or five at least. Where we were losing after the sixth, and just Murphy's they just Murphy's lawed it against us. And if it could happen, it happened, and it was bad. Yeah, just unfortunate. Yeah, that was uh that was that was a tough time in my life personally, but we made it through. Yeah, well, better now. Here you are. You hey. made it through. Yeah, <laughs> you could celebrate now, Dustin. It's a good time for you. I I have, okay. I have one last Orioles question. I'll let Kate. To ask whatever she wants uh how do you like how do you prepare for a team like the orioles like what what do the pre-game meetings look like their lineup is obviously really really stacked you have to play them four more times before the end of the year 
Like what, what do you think makes it Orioles so good this year? Um, that's a good question. I think they're good at getting a lead and handing the ball to Felix. Um, so yeah, they, they score early. They put together good at bats. Um, you know, I think that they're obviously Cedric uh, Mullins is, I, I think it was a groin that he came down with. And that obviously is a blow. He's a very, very good player. Um, but yeah, it, it's a good lineup and, and the pitching has, has caught up to the lineup from a couple years ago, which is, which is, you know, good to see if you're an Orioles fan, uh, not as good to see if you're us or any other team that they happen to be playing. Um, but yeah, they, they are a good team. They throw it well. They take care of the ball for the most part, just like you're supposed to. They play good baseball and they have some pretty good arms that can preserve a lead. Back end. Yeah. Cano and Bautista. It's, that's as a pitcher, do you just like look across there and you're like, I respect that. Yeah. I, I love watching good pitching. Now, is it, does it, you know, translate to a little more frustration when you're on the receiving end of it? Uh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, the guy's impressive. It's the mountain. Uh, okay. Kate, I've talked for a while. What, what would you like to, what do you got? No, yeah, 18 I, minutes I, I by like the that. count of the, of the, uh, the track up there. Though half of it was probably me. So it's not all you. Yeah. That's all right. Thanks, Justin. But um, yeah, Orioles, fun team. Young, love to watch them. But I kind of want to talk about you guys. Started off really hot. 30 home runs in your first 12 games. Absolutely insane. I think you guys went 23, 23 wins in your first 29 games. Absolutely. Yeah, something like that. Unreal. What was that stretch like? And what do you credit that to being so successful without saying that the strength of schedule wasn't <laughs> as great. Um, I think the, the strength of anybody that complains about strength of schedule, you still have to like, you still have to I go agree. play. Yes. Right. It's not like you don't get to look at the schedule and be like, say, if I'm, you know, say if I'm at Mizzou, I can't be like, Oh, we're playing, you know, Northeastern Missouri state today. That's a win. Like you don't get to just automatically <laughs> check that one off in the, in the win column. Right. That's not how, that's not how sports work. Yeah. Um, so you still have to go win. And I, that was also, I have never seen a lineup be collectively as hot as those guys were for us. And it was one of the most impressive, you know, just hot streaks I've ever seen out of a lineup. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I did not pitch much during that stretch. I think I threw like four or five times. It was impressive very impressive and i would love if we recaptured a little bit of that hot streak here maybe over maybe maybe have, maybe we can get, get a few more in the in the wind column in july and, and recreate that hot streak over the next month but yeah that was uh i've never seen anything like it i probably will never see anything like it again it was just wild to watch and you went up just assuming that if somebody got on he was probably going to score yeah I mean, just the confidence, I feel like that came. Do you think just the momentum when you're on that type of streak, you just feel like, yeah, no one's no one's going to beat us because even if you're down, you think that you guys can come back. You've done it so many times before. Yeah, honestly, I don't know how many. I think we only had like two or three like legitimate comebacks during that stretch. They were just bludgeoning people from the first on. I think we had one. We were down two, I think, in – Washington, and I'm pretty sure we won by four. They put up like six in the ninth. It was like 
yeah, I think that was the only distinct like comeback that I can remember through that stretch. And then we obviously had a one-run game against the Sox where Bilal hit a homer in the eighth to go ahead. Yeah, that it wasn't even like a – it was there was like one or two comebacks. It, it was a yeah. legitimate just bludgeoning for that stretch. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteed a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. Insane. And... Obviously, in July, a little bit of a rough patch. Do you think – what do you think has been the hardest part about this month so far? Uh, hmm, the hardest part about losing a lot is, is probably losing a lot, I would say. Uh, losing sucks. I don't know if you guys know this or not. It's not fun to lose in anything. Um, yeah, it just it, – it's a grind. And, you know, it, it's something that you hope you come out better for. Um, every team, they just have to weather it. And you weather, you know, to, to microcosm it and say it's one game, you know, you weather the run as if it were a basketball game. And that's really drinking water at very inappropriate times. But you have to weather the runs, be it good or bad, and and, and take that for what it is. So yeah, we're kinda we kinda went on a went on opened opened up the uh opened up the game on a on a pretty good run, hitting some shots early and uh kind of cooled off here, start of the third quarter. So hopefully uh you know Maybe maybe put together more of a, a warrior third quarter to end uh, end that and kind of kind of get back on a little hot streak. Absolutely, but I have to say, Tampa Bay Rays might be my favorite team. You guys just look like you have so much fun. I mean, the thing the other day with uh, Kevin Kelly dressing up as a cowboy that was that was fantastic. <laughs> I was all over Twitter. I thought that was phenomenal. Just what what are the clubhouse yeah, vibes? That's like? for Kevin. Kevin, when yes. Beekman asked you to do something, you need to do it. Okay, we're just gonna get that out there in the world. Kevin was supposed to go with some people to Boot Barn and pick out a nice pair of boots, maybe a belt buckle and a hat, and Kevin did not show up. So there's uh, there's that, and then he uh, might have missed a game for a wedding. So that's how Kevin ended up dressed up as a cowboy. Guys, <laughs> so, yeah, repercussions. So, I mean, I like we the definitely repercussions. have a lot of fun, and, I, and it it. I always say, and we were talking about that. I was hanging out with some some guys last night. We were talking about how, like, all the personality and character, like, a lot of the time is in the bullpen, and that's not necessarily, you know, what gets showcased by anybody. Um, so it was nice to it was nice to be able to expose a little bit of of the shenanigans to uh, to the world, and to see Kevin Kelly in whitewash Wranglers. That's what I saw all day. <laughs> Yep. Is there like a uh, kangaroo court that like gets together and like decides the punishments for these things? Uh, no, there's there. I haven't seen a true kangaroo court since uh, we did one in rehab that was pretty funny, and that was in seventeen. But yeah, I haven't really seen a, a true, true one of those since uh, the minor leagues. More of for us at least, there it's more or less an incessant trash talk between. Basically, in the entire entirety of the pitching, not necessarily the entirety of the pitching staff, but like the whole bullpen, right? Is just we're just chirping each other twenty four seven, and that's you know part of the dynamic. We have a great time with it; it's a lot of fun. Um, 
Yeah, the, the bullpen is not for those with thin skin, at least our bullpen. That's fantastic. Uh, one thing that I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about, and it's become kind of hot in the streets when it comes to you this year, maybe even a little bit last year too, is was, it's, how do you pronounce it, Raynaud's syndrome? Raynaud's, yes. Raynaud's syndrome. Um, it's, it's come up a lot. Can you, I don't, can, I still don't fully understand what it is. Could you describe kind of like what it is and like, when did you first notice that this was a thing? Um, so basically it is a neurological response to cold adrenaline, stress, etc., where the capillaries basically don't refresh in your fingers. So you basically lose blood flow to it and they go white and some, Mine typically is I'll go like if I get it bad, they'll go white and I'll start losing sensation in a couple of them, which can be I can overcome via other, certain ways. I have some meds for it, et cetera. Um, some are like there's significantly worse cases where like they turn purple and they like hurt like bad. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun little condition, um, but I've had some been meeting with. Uh, oh, my gosh, I can't think of the proper name for the speciality of it but yeah i've seen a doc for it I'm on a couple different meds that are uh supposed to be basically uh prevent the it's called a uh, what i'm on right now is called a calcium channel blocker and that um basically doesn't let the your circulatory system like pick up as much blood so it remains there longer which i found is very helpful in my case it's so how does it react to the cold weather? Because I always hear that that's a thing. There was the game against the Mets this year. Um, mm -hmm. um, no, Mets, I was fine. That one, I just happened to give okay. up an absolute tater to Mr. Alonso. Um, this is White Sox is what you're thinking of. So basically, you get cold, like body temperature lowers, right? And then like that first response for me, at least, is I start losing the blood in my hand. Um, and it just depends. It's entirely random. I know people who have it in their other hand. My mom had it for years. Basically, it just gets cold and it just stops, you know, refreshing as much, and you you stop getting that the flow through the capillaries, and then you uh, end up without feeling in your fingers. And I know you've said that you won't use it as an excuse or a crutch or anything whenever you're pitching in cold weather. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, Kate and I did want to talk about just like the the after the game interviews that you do. They're fantastic. They're always must see TV. So My favorite was the Mets one because you said you were the lesser Pete, but you're the number one Pete in our hearts. Um, how do you how do you approach post game conversations? Um, I, I feel like there's there's been a couple of those that have gone viral, but like, what? How do you approach those? Um, well, first, normally they only ever talk to you if things have gone poorly, right? So I normally have a little bit of a cool down phase. You all right? <laughs> so I have a little bit of a cool down phase before I you know get there, um, and then. You know, I just try and be myself. And obviously I uh, am a, I wouldn't say that I'm extremely witty, but I'm able to come up with, with some, some good commentary usually on the spot. I would say it's not usually premeditated. Nothing is premeditated. I don't really, uh, I don't really live my life on a premeditated basis. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it just kind of was whatever, wherever the questions lead me and whatever, uh, and kind of pops into my head as a as an appropriate response, or yeah. sometimes inappropriate. You just never know. <laughs> Kate, yeah, I mean, the one I saw recently, I literally tweeted out. I said, I think I just became 
Pete Fairbanks fan, but saw a negative comment on social media after the game, trying to look at a text from your wife, obviously on the losing end of the bullpen, not a fun place to be. Are you on social media? Because I'm curious. I remember like Joe Burrow came out and said, I don't even look at it during the season. IKF last year said, I've read every single tweet a Yankee fan has said about me, which is insanity. So I'm just curious, like, is it something that you're on or? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely don't get off social media because I really don't care. Like, yeah, you can say what you want. I don't care. Right. This one I thought was maybe not the most appropriate response. I'm just, you know, it was like the first thing that popped up when I'm trying to go to the things that I care about. Right. Um, but no, I, I have, I really don't give a shit what, okay. um, these people that don't one know me and two, I'm, you're entitled to your opinion. I, you know, I think that just the commentary that surrounds, um, just sports and performance and all these people who aren't the ones involved with it or doing it. Um, I think that sports betting has been horrible for that. Um, because they now think that they're entitled to no, it, it, it's called a fucking bet for a reason, right? It would be a sure thing if it, it wouldn't be betting, right? If you knew the outcome and everything that every line that Vegas set was perfect, right? That wouldn't, that would, you would not be betting anymore. Um, but yeah, I think that that is just entitled people to think that they have the ability to say whatever they want to whoever they want. And then obviously with social media, you can now reach these people that you would never be able to otherwise, right? So that's its own um, kind of double-edged sword of, right, you have the connection, it's cool, you now get to engage with, you know, the athletes or whoever you want, basically on the internet. Um, but I think it, it also, you know, is kind of a kind of a negative when you have these people that think that they're entitled to tell you things about you, etc. Like if you want to criticize, I'm I'm all for you have a mouth or fingers in this case, you can use it on X or whatever the fuck Elon Musk is trying to call Twitter now. Use it, right? Go shout in your echo chamber. Tell us we suck, etc. Maybe don't tell people to kill themselves. That might be. Just just the thought that that might not be the most appropriate response to you not hitting your 17-leg parlay that, that probably wasn't going to hit, right, because it's 17 legs. And maybe there's more responsible ways to try and make a little extra money. But, yeah, it's, it's, um, it is what it is. These people can say what they want, and uh, they don't really have the ability to uh, contact me, so... The people that have my number, I, said, I forgot who I said this to. I was I was on TikTok. It was I think it was a Tom Holland yep. quoting Christian Bale, who I now have quoted since then. It's like if you have a problem with me, text me. And if you can't text me, like does it matter? You know, you're not you're not obviously in the circle of people that you know we care about, or you know, and that goes for everybody. It is what it is, and that's you know, you're not like cool. You lost your you lost your money on a parlay because I blew a save. Tough. Don't put your money in a parlay. I really agree. I think the betting thing, it's kind of similar to that like parasocial relationship. I think that's the word that they think they're like too connected to mm -hmm. players. And just at the end of the day, you're not. And they're also just people too. But it's it's like the double-edged sword. Like one, you're way too connected to them, but also you need to keep in mind that they're actually a human being and not just somebody that you can just say whatever you want about. 
Yes, shout out to the Swifties and Maddie Healy for that one. Shout <laughs> yes. out to Taylor Swift's lunatics that love her yep. and think that, come on, like you you can't have say over over. And this is that one is even I, I, I nobody cares about us, you know, right? But like the people that that are like trying to bully her into making her life decisions because they saw a BuzzFeed article about somebody and don't like it. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, is, is that where we're at? Is it just the collective hive mind is my favorite singer doesn't is, is, has been entangling with somebody that I don't like. So I'm going to go try and defame him and yell at her via socials that I don't like the decision. Like, yeah. come on, come on. We got to do better than that. Just as a whole. Yeah, that was the open letter to Taylor Swift. I'm curious if you saw on Twitter an open letter to Pete Fairbanks. <laughs> Sincerely, the race community. No, I do not, I don't. I don't have Twitter, right? I. The world would be a worse place if I have Twitter because oh, I would be. I disagree. Would, if I had Twitter, I would go about it Kevin Durant style, and I would just yeah. be throwing out strays to anybody and everybody. I don't <laughs> think that like I know that that's not something I need to do, right? Uh, yeah, that, so no, I don't like talking about me. I, yeah. So I, I think that I know that there was, cause my wife will hop on and look at stuff and I don't really care. So I, she'll tell me if there's anything that she finds funny. Um, but yeah, back to my, my, so I'm a huge 1975 fan, right? Also a big, big Taylor Swift fan, reasonable Taylor Swift fan. Don't give a shit what she does in her personal life. Right. Yes. So that. And, and one of my wife's high school classmates who I'm friends with now via her, she's great. We have, as Lid says, we're basically the same person, just in opposite genders, um, which That's is awesome. pretty funny. So she huge music fan. So we would all, our, our, my TikToks for like three weeks just strictly turned into people either defaming Maddie Healy or yep. telling Taylor Swift that she's a fool. I'm like, what yep. are we doing? What are we doing? There was a cat. Did you get to go to the Eras tour? You get tickets? Oh, let me tell you about that. Pretty upset about it. So we, she was in Tampa. Yes. And we had a we had a game in Toronto the next day. And I'm, I don't know if you've gone through Justin. I know this is not for you. You've never gone through customs. I don't know if you've gone through <laughs> customs before. Customs suck. And I did not want to go on a commercial flight through customs and then try and get to the ballpark. So I missed that one. It's tough. Yeah, I will be seeing the 1975 when they come to. I will either see them in Baltimore or I will see them in. Emily, depending on our schedule. That's awesome. They're phenomenal. They put on a good show. Oh, they're incredible. They, I saw them after. I like it when you sleep because you are so beautiful yet so unaware. What an incredible album title. Yes. Um, and they were fantastic. Do you have a favorite song by them? Um, I have a favorite song. Let me go. I have to. Put my I'm presently on. I'm presently on a Spotify moratorium because apparently my card changed and. I don't have premium anymore, so I gotta go. Uh, uh, right now, I'm using my free. I have like three months free of Apple Music because I just got a new iPad. <laughs> so I've transitioned to that for the time being until I either get set up with a family uh, account with Lid, or if I just re-up my new one because I want access to my playlists and I don't want to have to use uh, Apple Music. Um, We've been trying to do Pete's playlist on here for a while, so this is good. Yeah, I do need to. I do need to do that. I gotta figure. I I would say. Why can't I look at the freaking album tracks if I don't have pre? That is a pain in my ass. 
Uh, I don't know if I can give you a, a favorite. I can give you a favorite from each album. Oh, wow. Oh, you're like a hardcore 1975 fan. Oh, they're my favorite band to, yeah, by far. Wow. I am a, yes, I'm all in on the 1975. Their newest um, album. Loved it. Phenomenal. Loved Phenomenal. it. It was the most cohesive of the ones that they've done, and I thought it was excellent. Agreed. Um, why can't I find their albums? Apple Music is just a foreign concept to me. It's not good. It's tough. It's, I think it's, I, I think, and I don't know if I'm just wrong or whatnot, but I think to me, the sound quality when I listen to Apple Music versus Spotify is better. Really? However, their user interface is a million times worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, off of the self-titled 1975, I would probably say Robbers. I think that that overall is the best song on that album. I don't know. Yeah, I would say that's probably the best song on the album. Hard Out's pretty good too, though. I do like that song. I do like that a lot. Justin, are you a 1975 guy, or am I just gonna? And Justin's just sitting off? here. We're like, are you just? No, you guys are. Oh, no, uh, no, I, I'm not a big 1975 guy. I mean, they're cool. Um, I'm just, they're I'm just fascinated. Yeah, yeah. They, that is, he is a. That is a, that would be a great social experiment. Just the, the either love or hatred you have for their front man. It is incredible. <laughs> Polarizing, some would say. Um, I, I would probably, say, on that. yeah, yeah. It, it's. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as as that. But yeah, it's something. Let's see. The Swifties I'd took probably it a say far. The. Are you a Justin? Are you a Taylor Swift guy? At least. No, he's a John no. Mayer guy. No, I'm a John Mayer guy. <laughs> oh my gosh! Awful. Hardcore. I saw him live. Hey, I respect that. Tour. I respect that. John Mayer is an incredible musician. Let's not. The things he could do with let's the guitar. Not detract, let's not detract from him being an incredible musician <laughs> just because some people don't like him, you know. And he was how old was he? Like thirty-two, something like that. Yeah. yeah but you know, he, you got to separate the the, the personal from, yeah. art from the artist. Yes. <laughs> well, not necessarily art from the artist, but like our opinions don't matter on their personal lives. Let's yeah. just get that get that PSA yeah. out for everybody. Yeah. It was. I saw him live the solo tour in Pittsburgh. It was the greatest concert experience in my life. It was just him, a guitar. He played the guitar and the piano at the same time. Let your let your mind get wrapped around that for a second. Yeah, um, that doesn't seem possible, but I was using like his teeth to like. <laughs> I for heard, his toes. I, I think, yeah, I, ah. it was. I was just I was just mesmerized. Your body is a wonderland. Came on, I blacked out. It was great. So that's good. That's, what's that's your favorite? What's your favorite John Mayer song? Stop this train. Stop this train. Never heard of it. Is it off? Of, is it old? Is it old John Mayer or is it hippie John Mayer? It's old John Mayer. I think it's on okay. Continuum. Continuum's my favorite album of all time, okay. like regardless of artist. Um, but yeah, that that one's it's just I don't know. It makes you feel things. Talks about getting older. I don't know. You just you get all weird nostalgic sometimes. It makes you feel things. People that don't have hearts feel things when they listen to Stop This Train. Yeah, we're all getting older, Pete. Every single one of us. That is true. Entropy. It's a real thing. Can't, hey, you can't stop this train. Yeah, you also you also can't stop entropy. It's always created constantly. You can never take away from it. Thermodynamics. This is yeah. Next, next, well, when you're when you get your Spotify back, please let us know. Yeah, because... isn't this way more fun than talking about like actual sports? Yes. I well, I did. Ha 
Justin's like, no, I actually I want to get I back have to sports it. questions. I have another sports question. <laughs> I mean, we can, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm just gonna do a hard pivot if that's cool. Yeah, hard pivot. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll just not remotely related to what we were just talking about. Go ahead. Um, I saw that you have a third pitch. Again, this is the hardest. This is the worst podcasting of all time. Apologies. That's um, okay. I actually prefer – I I would much rather be bouncing off the walls than like follow a very strict – because as you know, I was a former podcaster, and I was an yes. excellent an excellent bounce-off-the-walls type guy. Oh, I think it's more fun. Yeah, it's yeah. unpredictable. Hey, wild card. Here's a wild card question for you, Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a fastball slider guy, but I saw you yes. also have a splitter. Uh, you a, only no, throw it against lefties. You've only <laughs> to change up. Weird. Baseball savant says splitter. Yeah, I fucking throw it. <laughs> it's fair. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're well. Whatever you want to call it, whatever the pitch is. Uh, how did you how did you start working on it? Because like oh, I've always I, thrown I, it. I just don't throw it. I've thrown it for four mm-hmm. years. I just throw it at a minuscule, um, like percentage because I look at it as I don't want to get beat with my third best pitch, regardless that it's good. Like would be very good if I threw it for strikes and threw it more, but like it still would be my third best of the pitches that I throw. So my thought is, why get beat with my third best pitch? So if there's a scenario right where I like i have the liberty to throw it i will but you know in crunch time i'm probably not throwing it that's why it's at like 0.01 percent yeah and it's only against lefties too is that is that a conscious decision like is that, a, is that yeah a i mean pitch? i mean maybe if we if i'm in a a low leverage like four run lead and maybe i'll maybe i'll throw right on right but um yeah I, it's it's good when i throw it i just don't throw it a ton um it actually kind of serves like warm up wise, it serves as like it gets me like back into myself, which I think is nice. Um, in terms of like extension and feeling like I'm I'm throwing how I need to be. So yeah, it's a it's a fun little thing that I have stored away in the back for you know, I keep telling it myself I'm gonna throw it. And then I keep throwing fastball breaking ball and they keep getting better and I'm like, well, I can't just I can't just throw this worst pitch just because I wanna mix it up more. It would, it would catch people so off guard, though. I know, and it does. I just happened the two that I've thrown this year, I threw like straight down into the ground. Not that I oh. haven't done that with my other stuff, but you know. Those were probably the splitters. Those weren't the change ups. The ones into the ground were the splitters, probably. No, no, no. They were change ups. <laughs> I throw it, I name it. It's the rule. You throw it, you name it. Okay. Until, Savant, all, is... starts, until Savant starts pitching for me, it's a change up. <laughs> They have a cool like breakdown. I've, I look at all the moving graphs they have for your pitches. So cool. They do. Um, yeah, Savant is a Savant does a very good job of like highlighting things for baseball nerds. Um, I wish that like they would explain. Like I wish you could take like Savant and like all the data that we have access to and like we know what it means and like explain it for your like casual baseball fan. So they would. It's like when they see X and Z breaks on the board, they can be like, oh that pitch was like went sideways a lot. That's probably why it's good, et cetera. Or that pitch had a lot of drop and it was hard, you know, that way they can, they maybe, you know, shine a little bit more light on pitching instead of every time I see anything that promotes the game of baseball, it's hitters every time. No love. No love. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kate, any last, last ones before I do rapid fire? No, I, th- I might jump in with a rapid fire, but yeah. 
It's an open discussion. Sounds, this sounds like it's going to be way more my speed. <laughs> if you think the last like hard heel turn into that question was kind of off the wall, none of these are related in any way. So I, I love that. Am I allowed to get off on tangents about them, or do I oh, have absolutely. to like, answer oh, them yeah. like, right in a row? We no. prefer it, actually. Okay. Um, okay. I know it's during the season, but have you seen Oppenheimer yet? And have you congratulated Tyler Glass now for his tremendous acting performance? Uh, yes, he went and actually saw his own movie, so it was awesome. I am seeing it. We have an off day in Detroit. There is a theater like two blocks from the hotel. I'm debating, you know, I'm going to wait on this for me here. I think if I can make it happen, I want to see Barbie, Mission Impossible, and Oppenheimer triple feature just the entire off day. Back to back to back or going to yeah. take breaks? No, no, no. Back to back to back if I can make that happen. <laughs> okay. In what order? Um, it's tough. I heard Barbie's I'm sad. In, I'm definitely ending with Oppenheimer. It's all gonna, It would all be a buildup to <laughs> watching um, Tyler uh, quote. Yep. The, I forget what it's actually from. But again, until I hear Glass say I am become death. Everything is just going to be a, a long build up to that. I don't, I can't, I still don't know what in the world the Barbie movie is actually about. All I see is, is TikToks about people complaining that men don't get it. It was a representation of how women feel in society, et cetera. And I'm like, I was like, well, I need to see it if I want to be able yeah. to dispute these people on TikTok yeah. with my own personal opinions. Um, and then obviously, um, I think Tom Cruise is an absolute nut. But he does know how to make a very good action movie. All he knows is one thing, and that's, yeah, that's I making think that movies. That, here's a I got a rapid fire back for you. Is Mission Impossible the best of the action movie franchises? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I the Bournes? I don't think I think you have to put like Born. Um actually it kind of exists in its own like little realm because of the way that um, Craig's Bond went, it wasn't so much as like a true just like action movie as it was like, let's put a little deeper meaning into all this and like actually have some self-reflection on Bond. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't, I, I think, I don't think I think of them in the same light. So I think Mission, like Mission Impossible is its like own little entity in the action movie world. And each one is just, they get, they get better and better. Yeah, even though I would Tom's say older. after... What was, um, let me see if I can remember these names. Which one was, was Ghost Protocol? That was the one where he was or, climbing up the, whatever that big ass skyscraper is. Khalifa, and, yeah, the then, Burj Khalifa. Yeah. I would say I didn't, the first, maybe it's because I also have a bad, I have a bad ability. Like I don't do well with like movies, not necessarily that like aren't, shot well but like the older like like the older movie gets the less likely i'm inclined to look at it in a favorable light maybe it's just because i love like modern filmmaking um or i've just been oversaturated with cgi um but apparently every effect in oppenheimer is not cgi and i also recently learned that homeboy planted a hundred thousand dollars worth of corn Simply to get the corn the cornfield shots in Interstellar. Oh wow, that's Christopher Nolan. Uh, you can't. Yeah, Nolan is 
I, he's he is the only filmmaker I think of my life that I'm like I have to see what he's making. Like he's Tarantino? the only one where I'm like I'm like if Nolan no if Nolan comes out with a movie I'm seeing it. That's a quick no. <laughs> yeah, he, that, I don't. I mean, Tarantino's made some incredible films, but like just for me and everything that Nolan has done, like he is a, he is number one, like the only one where I'm like he's making a movie I have to see it. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, because he doesn't make a lot of them. That's like, the directors that are like very selective with what they do. So always, yes. always really, really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tyler Glassman just is a dead ringer for that guy, though. I don't know how. He is. It's incredible. Also, I don't know if you guys did. You guys watch Tenet? No. Did you guys see that? No, one? but I heard it was confusing. Uh, yeah, it was only confusing if you didn't pay attention. If you pay attention, it's not that confusing. Small-minded people, yeah. Yeah, I don't think small-minded. I think that. It's not something which was weird because you like it was out mainly on streaming, mm-hmm. and I think that people at home tend to not pay as good of attention to That's movies, etc. And so I think that that probably did a disservice to that movie. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was fabulous. I loved it. I've watched it like five times. Wow, here's a good one for you. What non-baseball activity would you consider yourself to be elite at? <laughs> Putting down people for their coffee tastes. Mm. That's a good yeah, one. Like Miss Duncan over there. That's actually a good one. I was like, oh, starting off the interview strong. <laughs> I'm just going to leave. No, now. I, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Ones that don't make me feel self righteous and a bit of a prick. Uh, <laughs> what would I consider myself elite at? I'm pretty good at doing crosswords. I'm a, I'm a pretty good. Poche and I have our little crossword duo and we do the New York times every day that we have access to it. I'd say that until I wouldn't say elite, but I would say that's probably my, my, one of my more notable skills is crossword puzzle and being good at getting the answers on jeopardy. What about immaculate grid? Have you guys, I was literally just about to suck an immaculate grid. Really? I don't. So here's the issue is I don't know anything about baseball history, mm. right? I just know about pitching. That's fair. That makes sense. Like, well, I, I don't, like, I'm not, I'm a terrible baseball fan. Mm-hmm. I'm just a fan of like baseball performance more than anything and like developing that. Okay. So, yes, answer. that's like where to... I'm, I'm just waiting like... for the Texas and Tampa one so I can see if Nate Lowe is a higher percentage or I am a higher percentage <laughs> on it. Sorry, Nathaniel. Yeah, please. Um, that yeah, I think I think I'm pretty sure that was one, and I'm pretty sure I used you for one of these for Tampa and Texas. That's good. That's good. I would like to see your all pitcher immaculate grid though, because that would be that would be very very good. Um, ooh, tailing off of that, the Rays when they played the Rangers this year, how cool is it mm-hmm. seeing the Battle of the Low Brothers? And we'll even throw Brandon in there. <laughs> uh, I love the meme, and I love people who couldn't suspend their disbelief and accept that it's like a, we know his name's not pronounced Low for Brandon. And yeah, people are like, there's low, low, wow. I'm like, shut up and accept the joke. It's funny. <laughs> Shorty um, got low, low, low. Yes, it's funny. And I, I, the people that were like, that's not how you say his name. Like, <laughs> we know. It's still funny. Um, awesome. Yeah, those two are funny. I loved that Nate was very upset that Josh had the homer. That one, that one made me visibly upset. It was so funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's always great. I have, I love seeing, uh, 
that was always a fun series for me because I get to see people that I, you know, obviously knew have known for a long time. So, uh, but yeah, the the battle of of the lows was was humorous. Did you see the slap tag on the pickoff attempt where, where Nathaniel Dude, like, tried one, to take his arm? I, off? So, <laughs> I think I don't know if I was in the. Is that was early? I'm pretty sure that was early on in the game. I think I was like that was the inning that I was about to walk out to the bullpen. I was like, oh my god, he tagged the absolute shit out of him. I hit him. I mean, just squared him up on the elbow too. It was so funny. <laughs> I think he knew he hit him too hard because the camera caught him just both yeah. just dying laughing. <laughs> it smacked the shit out of him. <laughs> oh, that's I, we're a big Nathaniel Lowe podcast, friend of the pod. Yeah, he's um, great. I love Nate. I, I don't know if I don't know if he'll let me call him Nate, but uh, after yeah. his after his rebrand into Nathaniel, his I, I, knew him, yeah. I knew him when he was simply Nate. You knew him when he was Twitter. He's X now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By someone, uh, apparently they don't have the handle for at X secured. Some random person has it. Um, and the comment on the end of it was the rant of them not securing it was ready, shoot, aim. <laughs> Feels like you got to get your ducks in a row before you do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the story of Elon Twitter is that the ducks have never been in a row. No. It is funny, though. Bad guy. Yeah. Bad guy. Um, so you went to the Blink-182 concert recently. I was very yes. jealous. I should have saw them when they were in D.C. That's going to haunt you me for the rest have. of my life. Um, what are your top five favorite Blink songs? Oh, buddy. Now we are in it. Now we are in it. Let me go pull up a full discography. My Blink songs are not going I, – I love right, the hits, obviously, but they're not my favorites. I would say my favorite Blink song um, – this one, I think, I think Anthem Part Two is probably my favorite. Just overall, um, I'll give number two. See, this is this is what I don't like about the people in Blink. So when you go to Blink Essentials, there is not one song from Neighborhoods. The Neighborhoods slander, I just do not accept. Neighborhoods is a good album. I love Neighborhoods, and so I will much. not hear otherwise. Anyway, that leads to my second favorite Blink song, which is um, Wishing Well. Great song. More of a deeper cut. Definitely did not play that on tour. Um, <laughs> I think presently Reckless Abandon is probably like four or five. I love that one. That's another good one. Um, Natives is definitely in my top five as well. It's a good pump-up song. Yeah. Natives is a very good song. And the people that don't like the people that don't like neighborhoods just Open your mind up a little bit, you know, open your mind up a little bit. Um, And then I think Anthem is probably on there too. The original Anthem. Yeah. One of the bestiality lyrics, that one. It's it's, uh, tough. Yeah. There. Yeah. What a, (laughs) I I convinced, uh, I convinced Deepman to play family reunion over our team speaker on our flight yesterday, which I don't know if you guys know the lyrics to family reunion, but you should look that up at some point or just play the song. It's uh yeah, it's an interesting and it's a very interesting two minutes. That's awesome. I was I was trying to do this thought experiment a while back of like because I've gotten so hard and heavy into to Blink 182 the last mm-hmm. like year or so. I was trying to like list mine out and like I feel like I'm pretty chalky for most of mine. Like, damn it, 
I miss you. All the small things after midnight and then the rock show. That's yeah. what I had for mine. But that's after like, midnight is a great song. But yeah, not a lot of deep cuts there. No, and that's, all songs, all songs that you would have heard had you gone yeah. and seen them. Mm-hmm. All songs you would have seen. I'm gonna go to my grave. They they'll probably be on tour again. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. I'm assuming that they will. Unless Tom yeah, finds great. aliens, or yeah. I hope that he does. I hope that he finds more aliens. Um, they exist. Yeah, they're his. Actually, I will say, I think my favorite. It, it is a top three favorite record for me. Is I Empire? I will say. Mm. Which is Angels and Airwaves, not Blink, but that is. If it might not be top three, but it is. It is for sure in the top five. I think it's incredible. I love it. Kate, are you a Blink fan? I I know only know like the most famous ones. All the songs that Justin just listed. Those. Yes, I was gonna say <laughs> all the ones Pete was naming. I'm like, I didn't even know that was, <laughs> that was song. Damn it is number one though. I mean, that's that's pretty edgy, yeah, right? Damn it, damn it is like. It's pretty I edgy. Mean, yeah, but it's like the first. That was like their first, like their oldest, like hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't even know if I would really call it a hit. I don't know the I don't know the the buzz that was surrounding them in in the late nineties, but yeah, damn, it's a very good song. Mm-hmm. They actually uh, that was that they finished their show with was damn it, yeah. Did you like the banter in between? Yeah, it's great. It just sounds like us being idiots. It sounds like yeah. eight idiots in a bullpen. Oh man, uh, there might be a little more. There's there might be a little more inappropriate, but yeah, it's uh. It's pretty on brand. Well, I'm going to see him next time. Uh, Ray's teammate that you would most want to have your back in a fight. Ray's teammate that I would most want to have my back in a fight. Um, I'm going to say Poche. I think Poche, if there's one person that would, Poe and I um, incessantly, and I mean when I say incessantly, we incessantly talk shit to each other, but he is also like my number one teammate would for sure be a ride or die. It would be Colin Poche. I like that. You need one of those guys in your corner, especially if yeah. shit hits the fan. Yanni Diaz in his arms though, could probably might be up there. Uh, I mean, yeah. if we're talking like, we're talking like physicality, like Yanni is, is a behemoth. Um, but yeah. I like that. I don't. I don't. I will say I don't think that Yandi and I are going to be in a situation together where we might be in a fight off the field. So I'm going to pick Bo just in just in case. I spend more time with Bo. Uh, all right, I have two more. Uh, we're both Baker Mayfield guys. I think. No, huge uh, Baker guy. I'm actually supposed to be going to see them in their training camp on when we get back from the road trip. That was literally my question. How many box games are you going to this fall? I definitely want to get to a couple. Um, yeah, my realtor actually is the realtor for some guys on the bus, so he is getting some of us down there for a training camp on the 8th. I need to text him back, actually. I need to see who wants to go with me. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's uh, going there, watch a, little, watch a little football, watch a little football practice, which is probably going to be more interesting than watching a football game, just because you get to see stuff that you don't normally get to see, which I always think is, is fun to watch for other sports. Love it. Please report back on how Baker looks. The, the press clips that have come out of him in training camp this year have not been kind to him. So we need you to well, set the record straight. Yeah. I I think that, yeah, Baker, I don't know. Will there ever be any favorable press about him? Unfortunately, I don't it's think that that's no. just not going to be. It's just not going to be a, a thing. After he got into his spat with Colin Cowherd, um, 
I think that that's that's just like industry wide. Let's let's smear. It's a smear campaign for for Baker. You guys are both headband guys, so maybe you could bond if you ever get a chance to meet. Yeah, them. yeah. I need to. Junk Brands are supposed to send me some headbands, and they still haven't. So I need to. <laughs> I need to figure out what's going on there and, and re up my headband game. The Ted Lasso one was cool. Um, I do love a good Ted Lasso. All their other last, ones stunk. It was really annoying. <laughs> last question. Any questions for us? Do I have any questions for you guys? Turn the tables. Turn the tables. Hmm. Not really. I mean, I if I have anything, usually I just do like a spur of the moment thing. Um, I think you should you should get off your John Mayer high horse and maybe mix <laughs> some T Swift in. Um, just a little bit, and then maybe okay. mix in some 1975 as well. I think that could that could serve you well. I've never had anybody. Um, actually, do either of you guys listen to the gaslight to the gaslight anthem? That'll no. be my that'll be my turntable question. Okay. No. All right. Uh, yeah, very good bands. I think they're getting back together and putting out an album, so that'll be good. Oh. They're like more like. I don't even know how to describe them. I would say Americana, but it's not not the folky that I a tip, that I would typically like think Americana is. Um, you guys ever considered, you know, doing more of this where we don't talk about anything sport related? That would be fun. Be yeah. fun. Be fun, Joe. Uh, let's yeah. I think I think that there's you know, the every podcast I see with athletes wants to talk about sports, whether it's hosted by them or not hosted by them. And I think that there should be great space for just talking about random stuff. I like it. I think it's a, it's a welcome change and you get lots of, you know, you get a little more insight to personalities, etc. Um, yeah. What else do I have for you guys? Let me think. Let me think. What was the last Pokemon game that you guys played? It was on the Game Boy Color. Okay, so you're looking at, at at the at the latest. You're looking at crystal gold and silver. Yeah, that's that at was, the latest. That was all. Do you do you still play like Pokemon Go? Could you could we find you in a city? No, trying to... I, you will not find me walking around a city catching augmented reality Pokemon. <laughs> Wait, there's you one over not, there. You will not find me doing that. If I'm going to do that, I will hop on my Switch and I will play the actual game. Um, yeah. Is your walkout song still secret crowds? It sure is. It sure is. Um, let's see. Kate, brain dump, anything. Present hobby. I need a present hobby out of you guys because everybody knows my hobbies. It's Legos and Pokemon cards and et cetera. Oh, we're a running podcast. (laughs) That's it. It's just podcast. I'm trying. No, running. Yeah, we we both. We're big runners. You guys run. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm wait, so sorry. all right. Wait, let's let's talk about this for a second because we had Brian on, and Brian said all he does is sprints because he says that yes. sprinters are jacked, and he says that pitchers are the ones that do all the the long distance running. Pete as a pitcher, you're not running. No running. Distance okay. running. Yeah, you want to do a nice distance, mile? Why would I cardio. distance run? Cardio. Yeah, it's fun. I have, to, I have to go out there and be as explosive as possible for like. 20 to 25 pitches that long distance running is not that yeah i mean i get distance when i like play other sports like playing basketball running back and forth or like a little ultimate frisbee or chasing after you know something that's a part of another sport but i don't know if you could convince me 
to go run a 5K right now. You'd probably be so good at it. You have long strides. It'd take you like half yeah, the time. Yeah, um, I did. So I ran the last time I ran more than a short, you know, sprint type burst was our rehab group in 18 ran the Pat Tillman 5K in Tempe at ASU. Nice. And I smoked everybody in our rehab group in it. Um, but yeah, that was the uh, that was the last time that I ran distance, and I probably could have ran it faster, but I, I did not. You mean to tell me on a on a cool Saturday morning in the fall, you're not going to see you yeah. at the Riverwalk in Tampa with the headphones on with a cool Saturday morning? Yeah, I'm gonna be getting ready for Mizzou. I'm gonna be getting ready for the Tigers. <laughs> That doesn't sound enjoyable out, to you out, a little bit. I'm going to be out making breakfast on my Blackstone, getting ready for some college football. There's no running. There's no running. There's involved. no running. There's no. Maybe I'll hop in my heated pool and have a good time with that rather than go run down on, on the Riverwalk. Yeah. Get in the pool. Just yam on your son. I be... did. I did. I have done it since too, but I did not pull the hoop down those times. So that's a big <laughs> win for me. That's one of my all-time favorite me. quotes. It's just like you cannot be caught unaware under the rim. No, I didn't. He's three, so Pete. Just, He's three. I don't care. <laughs> Never had the social awareness for those things. Oh my god, so funny. no! And my wife was was making. She was like, she was like making fun of me, thinking she's like, you want to make fun of me for like spraining my ankle while walking, and here you are giving yourself a black eye. And I'm like, first off, mine is hilarious. Like I have no, I have there's zero embarrassment. For that, it was. I thought it was hysterical after the fact. Like, the story is hilarious, and the fact that it happened to me, well, probably makes it funnier because I'm just a big goofball. So, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was, and still do think it was hysterical. Did you know you're gonna get asked about it as soon as you showed up to work, or did you think you could play? Oh, yeah, I mean, you can't walk around with a black eye and somebody doesn't know, like, like what happened? You get to a fight, I know, walk around the trap with sunglasses on, like. Nothing to see here. Yeah. There's nothing here. Nothing here at all. There's no story. So quit asking. No, so that one was that one was pretty funny. I thought it was hilarious. I'd do it again. You do, do it probably, again. Probably <laughs> weigh probably weigh the hoop down a little bit first, but yeah. It, was it a little tiny hoop? Like the little the No, it's size a, it's or? like a full size pool hoop. Not like it doesn't like stand it doesn't it's not like a ten foot, but it was like like backboard. Like it's a it's a pretty like good size pool hoop and it felt like a good size pool hoop as well <laughs> yeah I, well I, I first when i heard pool hoop i'm thinking like the ones that are like two feet tall that like are like oh it's fun to like think you're dunking but yeah. like you have like a, a regulation size no <laughs> so it's i'll have to I'll, I'll send you the link to it but it's like it's like good size backboard there's like three different settings for like in the water like it, it is a pool hoop it's not like a regular basketball hoop but like the size of the backboard is probably that of like a backyard like adjustable ten foot hoop. Oh, that's okay. big. Okay. Yeah, so it's like it's like it's a full size rim. Everything. It's not like a mini like Nerf one or anything. So yeah, right. that one felt pretty good. <laughs> I mean, he's got to learn some point. You can't just be camping out. Yeah, I mean, I'm he's uh, my son is is a trip. He is. That kid is funnier than I'll ever hope to be. Yes. So I can't wait. Is he into Legos he, too? Uh, uh, yes, he is. Okay. Good. Sometimes to his detriment of his behavior and or fixations on things and throwing fits about it. But 
you know, I don't blame him. They're cool sets that he wants. You know, it is what it is. He's got, yeah, he, uh, his like a room at home is, or his like a table is basically one giant Minecraft village now. He's, uh, yeah, yeah, he loves it. It's, I mean, it's, and it works out. He doesn't know shit about Minecraft, but it works out well because it's like all like square based, right? And so it makes it easier for him to both build and then like rebuild and adjust to things that he wants. So it's it's fun to watch. That's awesome. I just it picture your house as like the floor is just coated in loose Legos and you have to wear like shoes in the house. Oh my gosh. Uh, no, he has a huge, it's probably, I would say it's probably like the dimensions of a queen size bed, but it is like a foot and a half high table full just covered in Legos. Oh my God. Maybe a full, but yeah, it, it's a pretty big table covered in Legos. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, you're like, I love when you do like the step-by-step Lego builds on your Instagram stories. Those are fun. Yes, I need um, to get back. I have one that I need to build with him. He's been, he found, so I have a great pyramid of Giza that I need to build. And I've been waiting until we move into our new house. And he has found it and has now been asking me every day until I left if we were going to build a pyramid set today. I'm like, dude, we need more time than what you've allotted me to build this one. I am sorry. <laughs> So you're going to have to wait until I get back if you want to actually build this. I love that so much. Yeah. Ooh, last, last, have, last I, thing. Last, actually, all right. Give it to me. Is, what do we got? Uh, so Brian's Brian's in Kansas City. I don't know if you've kept up with him. Yes, um, I missed him by a little bit because we got rained out and they got rained out. And I didn't think that he was in Kansas City until just a little bit too late. It's pretty unfortunate. That was going to be my question. Is that like, do you, have you guys have you guys hung out? Or talk to each other. I don't know. I should, uh, I we like... texted a little bit when I was in Kansas. I haven't seen him in okay. in a while. That would have been my one chance, but I have not done that. I'm hoping he gets back into a affiliated ball next year. That would be mm-hmm. a sight for sore eyes. Um, I'm glad that he's back on. I <laughs> think he's back on this continent full time, though. Yeah, I think he's glad he's back on this continent too, full time. Yes, um, I I cannot imagine going to play overseas with a pretty young kid at home. Yeah. yeah. He so. probably had a passport though, so that probably made it easier. Yeah, you are not going overseas anytime <laughs> soon. Not I, until the State Department approves your passport. Yeah. I th- the only place I can go right now is Puerto Rico. That's the only the only place I can go. I play Puerto Rican winter ball. Yeah. But that's yeah, that's like the reason fun. why I never made it big, because I couldn't play in Japan or Korea because I don't that's have That's why. The that's only reason. <laughs> can we revisit this? You just like never just never thought passport. Never wanted to I'm, go outside the, the country. You know what's hard is that like, that's the first question I get asked on like first dates is like, how many countries have you visited or like, what's your favorite like international <laughs> travel destination? And I'm always just like, I don't know, Tampa. Tampa. That's that's kind of foreign, right? <laughs> I will say, yeah, you, yeah, getting down into Florida and then down into South Florida, that is definitely uh, that's a different country. It's a bit of a culture shock for some. Yeah, Vegas, because I've seen the Eiffel Tower there. Um, so that's kind of, that's, yeah, you've been to Epcot. You're a world traveler. (laughs) I've been to 10 countries and I drank in all of them. So it's just, I don't understand where, I feel like this is a a new phenomenon is people obsessed with international travel. I don't know. That might be, I I think that, you know, basically two years of everybody being forbidden to international travel or supposed to, you know, not travel. I think that that's definitely gave some people the itch to then want to go travel. Yeah. It's just hard. I don't know. It's I, I need to do more of it. I just, I don't know. Growing up, we didn't, our vacations were like Virginia Beach. We didn't necessarily do the south of France <laughs> that often. Um, 
So it's just. <laughs> you didn't need it. You didn't yeah, I, I didn't really need the passport like- for, for Colonial Williamsburg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry that if I haven't gone to Monaco. Because I've been there. That yeah. is incredible. <laughs> oh, I hated That's that. Just, my mother took me there. Oh, well, my whole family did. But golly, to, to Colonial Williamsburg. Historia, historical sites really don't do it for me. <laughs> just do not do it for me. Not my favorite. You would have hated. You would have hated family vacations. Yeah. Oh no no no! no. Like that was War those were my family vacations. <laughs> if my mother could find a damn historical site, we went to it, and I hated every second of it. Civil War battlefield this summer. I don't know Gettysburg. Yeah, that oh was God. literally so. Not not a whole lot of passports needed. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. So yeah. we'll, we'll get a change eventually. Um, okay, I don't I don't want to take too much of your time. You got a big series this weekend. Huge, series. awesome. Three big series in a row. We need to do well, and you will do well. Yes, hope so. Hope so. Positive vibes. Uh, Pete, I'm you are incredible. Pessimistic. <laughs> I'm trying to gas you up. He's like, everything sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you are you're my favorite recurring guest, yeah. my favorite guest, my favorite people. Um, this is great. Thank you so much for always coming on of course. and uh, of course. for always being down to talk about Blink. So it's- I'll talk about just about anything that's not sport related. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Son of-